Welcome to another podcast of the Apologist Bookshelf. Gary Zacharias here. I'm dipping back into a book called Christianity on Trial. I did a previous podcast on that. If you want to find it, it was dated uh, February 25th of 2022. So if you want to uh, go back, take a look at what I covered in that first podcast. In this one, uh, by the way, this is a book that uh, talks about the challenges to Christianity and how they're often inaccurate. So it's a, they call it subtitle, Arguments Against Anti-Religious Bigotry. So this chapter is called Christianity and the Slaughter of the Innocents. And they said one of the most common charges against Christianity is that it forced or encouraged their believers to kill and torture in the name of their faith, uh, either to spread Christianity to others or to keep people in line if they started to waver in their faith. So they said how commonplace that is among scholars and scientists and in the news and pop culture. Uh, Gary Wills, for example, said religious fanatics are the worst fanatics. Gore Vidal, more people have been killed in the name of Jesus Christ than any other name in the history of the world. Uh, Richard Dawkins, he says religion causes wars. And so they said you can just point all over the world, the Balkans, the Middle East, Northern Ireland, the Philippines, all sorts of places. And Christianity uh, has a big burden of guilt, according to these people. Uh, law professor Alan Dershowitz said Christians owe the world a full accounting for the Crusades. He called it the prelude to the Holocaust. Uh, and then, of course, they look at the New World, and they said Christians committed genocide, the largest genocide in human history. So these are some of the things that have been uh, charged at the put at the feet of Christianity. Um, one person said Columbus makes Hitler look like a juvenile delinquent. And uh, says uh, many cases they believe that the natives here in, in the Americas, that they weren't familiar with organized violence until they encountered Europeans. And uh, one person said uh, Indian cannibalism was just an invention of fearful European imaginations, that those people were not warlike here. Uh, they were not fierce. They weren't cannibals. And so they, I like this. They're, they're very honest. These, I say they, it's two authors, Vincent Carroll and David Shiflett. And they said that uh, there is some truth. Religion causes wars. But it says what they, these people who complain about and, and challenge Christianity, what they fail to announce is religion also prevents wars. And they, they give you a little history here. It says Christianity was actually less dangerous than its competitors for a long, long time. And finally, three or four hundred years later, after Jesus, Ambrose and then Augustine began to come up with Christian theories of just war. Uh, even when war was justified, massacre or looting or other kinds of uh, vengeance and violence, that, that was not okay. A war was justified, they said, to check evil or defend against attack and right some wrongs inflicted by others. So at least they're trying to put some kind of um, fences around uh, war uh, then it says along in the Middle Ages, uh, the barbarians ended up militarizing Christianity. But even there, they said it had more reservations about slaughtering than their pagan predecessors with those pitiless gods of war that they had. And uh, one historian said the Christian acceptance of warfare was always somewhat conditional. And priests and monks, for example, they were forbidden to bear arms or to shed blood. And the church frowned on military freelancing by the clergy and actually opposed aggressive war that wasn't conducted to punish some kind of evil. 
Well, then along come the the Crusades, and that's, of course, always a favorite thing to attack uh, Christianity with. But I've uh, done a podcast in the past about the Crusades and giving you a very different view from a well-known historian, Rodney Stark. And uh, if I find that or think about it later, I can give you the, uh, the actual date that I did that podcast. Well, so what was going on? <clears throat> well, the, the Christians that were going east to fight, they were reacting. They weren't starting it. They were reacting to Muslim persecution and imperialism. And that the crusading Muslim warriors, they're the ones that had overrun much of the Christian world centuries before. So that's, it was more of a defensive war than an offensive war. Um, then you hear about, of course, that the crusaders came into Jerusalem and just slaughtered hundreds of thousands and blood up to their uh, horses and uh, necks and things like that. Just kind of crazy over overreaction. It says they've actually done some recent work on the sack of Jerusalem in 1099. And it was a myth that the Crusaders targeted the Jewish community there. And as, as far as the Muslim dead, said uh, some are thinking now maybe 3,000. Now, that's not good, and it's not right, but it's certainly different than the way it's been portrayed in the past. Um, they said, actually, if you think about it, it's Islam that from its inception promoted conversion through conquest, you know, die or convert. Uh, the Christians' perception is that wars against Islam were waged either to defend Christians or to liberate lands that had been taken over by the Muslims. And unlike the Muslim jihad, the crusade was always voluntary. So more can be said about that. Let's skip ahead in history. You've got the wars of religions that followed the Reformation. But, you know, it did kill a lot of people. But it said Western society reconsidered holy war as a political option and rejected it. In fact, the last time wars were fought for religion in the West, they said, was during the century after the Protestant Reformation, and then it's, it's gone. It says, uh, never again would wars be fought in the name of the Christian faith. Uh, says Northern Ireland, a lot of people think of that as a religious conflict, but it said, one of the uh, historians says, it's no more reasonable to blame uh, religion for that strife than it is to blame people for having different cultural traditions. Well, that's interesting. Then there's a section here about how Christianity actually toned down the violence. It was churchmen who kept restraining the worst of these barbarian kings who were bloodthirsty. It was church officials who mainly spurred the great medieval movement to suppress private violence and have rules on warfare. There was a peace and truce of God around 1000, another council in 1139. And it was church law reinforced by the code of chivalry that provided the right uh, of immunity for people who are non-combatants. Okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, it says, uh, let's move along here. What about out here in uh, the West, in the uh, place will be the, the United States in the future and the other countries uh, south of us? Christian conscience defended Indians, and they, they rattled off a bunch of Dominican priests who spoke out against this, William Penn, spoke out against uh, things against the Indians. John Eliot, apostle to the Indians, he was a Puritan missionary. He sympathized with the tribes around Boston. No, these are all church people. There was a Bishop Francois Laval. He was fighting, as up in Quebec, he was fighting a running war with secular authorities over the brandy trade with Indians. He thought that was terrible. Then there was a Father Vieira and other Jesuits 
and said they were advocates on behalf of Brazilian Aborigines. And uh, that uh, Vieira and his fellow Jesuits harassed and berated the colonists there so badly, uh, just harassed them, drove them nuts because uh, they'd been treating the Indians badly. And these Jesuits really got on their case and said it was ecclesiastical lobbying that prompted edicts by the Spanish and the Portuguese kings to curtail or banish Indian slavery. It was coming out of the church. For two centuries, the Jesuits had been the Indians' principal defenders throughout the Americas. And the U.S., uh, one historian says Christian missions, were just about the only American institution that dealt constructively with the treatment of Indians right up to the Civil War. Um, and then Dominicans routed defenders of Indian and slavery. Uh, they mentioned some of the Dominicans insisting that the natives were human here in the West, in the West Indies. They should have rights. And then they had Bartolome de la Casas, who argued and fought for protecting the Indians and the natives of the land. So I'm going to skip over some of that. What about another view, which is what was really going on here in the Americas? Is it the case, which is the picture that we've been, we've been told, that these are peaceful, happy natives going about their business, and it was only they only learned violence and brutality because of the Europeans? Uh, no. They said uh, human sacrifice, cannibalism, refined torture. That was what was going on here. And they take on the Aztecs as an example. It says it's the only large-scale civilization to indulge in wholesale human sacrifice and cannibalism. Then they discuss the grisly ceremonies. Uh, so I'll skip over that. It's pretty brutal of what was going on here. It says the most plausible estimates for the Aztecs is that they slaughtered several thousand people every year. Uh, they killed and they ate the humans. Uh, the priests would even don the flayed skins of their victims. And it says it appalled the Spaniards. I mean, they were pretty hardcore people, but they were horrified by this. And it says, uh, the, take the Spanish Inquisition. It said that probably put to death fewer people during its whole history than the Aztecs slaughtered in an average year. Really? I thought the Spanish Inquisition just had people lined up being put to death. No. Historians have come up and said probably all of the time, all the time of the Spanish Inquisition, it's unlikely more than 2,000 people were executed for heresy. Now, is that bad? Yeah. Is it wrong? You bet. But it's certainly not the way it's been portrayed. It says probably in the 16th and 17th century, something like three people a year were executed. Three people a year. It says that's a lower rate than in any provincial court of justice in Spain or anywhere else in Europe. So it says, was the, the Catholic Church behind the Spanish Inquisition? That's what we've been told. No, it was introduced by the Spanish crown. And the Pope actually became alarmed at the events in Spain. He issued a bull and uh, charged that uh, they shouldn't do this. This was terrible. And uh, it was a, a bad thing, obviously. I'm not trying to uh, support and uh, allow that, but it, it was not the way you think of it. Uh, what about, uh, he, they go back and they talk about the rest of the Americas, like in Central America, it said other groups of uh, natives, including Mayans, ritually killed and ate humans. And in Brazil, and all over the place, the ritual killing of children. And I said that wasn't just in the southern part of the Americas. North America, too, had customs. And they said the Pawnee, 
the Natchez, the Huron, the Iroquois, they had similar practices. Then they have a description here. It's horrifying. I will skip it. But uh, an Iroquois warrior got captured by the Hurons, and what they did to him was uh, pretty bad. They ended up roasting him when they were done. How about the Anasazi in the southwest? says, uh, some of the first to excavate their ruins suspected that they had ritual cannibalism. They had bone fragments there with markings that pointed the way. Well, that got rejected for a long, long time. And finally, in 1999, a book came out called Man Corn, Cannibalism and Violence in the Prehistoric American Southwest by Turner, two Turners, Christie and Jacqueline Turner. They identified all sorts of sites in four states where cannibalism almost certainly was practiced. They concluded that it endured for like 400 years, from 900 to 1300 A.D., when finally the culture collapsed, even the killing of children. So it says, the one of the Turners says, the land of the Anasazi was not a pleasant place to be after all. It was just as violent as any place else in the world. Whoa. Okay. So uh, let's see, what else do we have here in this chapter? <laughs> There's a book called War Before Civilization, The Myth of the Peaceful Savage, and uh, this author says there was no such thing as a peaceful state of nature for humans. Bands and tribes and other non-state groups have been as likely to make war as civilized states, and maybe more so. The proportion of war casualties in primitive societies always exceeded that suffered by even the most bellicose modern state. Native Americans, by the way, did not learn things like scalping and massacre from the Europeans. Here's an example, and they discovered a site at Crow Creek in South Dakota around 1325 A.D. is what it's dated as. 500 scalped and butchered bodies. As a similar sites have been turning up elsewhere. It says uh, only fairly advanced civilizations bother to adopt rules at all to try to temper the brutality of war. So they were talking about what else is going on here in the Americas. The most common reason for conflict was not religion, but fear of shortages or impending natural disaster. So what did they say? It's absurd to maintain that serious warfare was unknown to most Native American tribes until the Christian West showed up. And it's also misleading to say these Indians were the victims of genocide. Why? They, they did die, but it was due to disease. They didn't have any resistance to this d disease. So then they, these two authors turn their uh, eyes toward where is a lot of this brutality coming from? This is whatever Christianity's role in the past. Its hands were clean during our 1900s. It said the body count from the two greatest barbarisms of the 20th century, communism and Nazism, is extraordinary. Communism's toll is probably something like 100 million people at 65 million in China. 20 million in the Soviet Union, 2 million in Cambodia, little tiny Cambodia, 2 million in North Korea, 1 million in Eastern Europe, and 10 million, 10 million others around the world. Uh, Adolf Hitler, of course, uh, killed as many as he could, but didn't have as much time. It says, for the historian of the year 3000, where will fanaticism lie? Where? The oppression of man by man in the 13th century or the 20th? Well, the answer is the 20th. Communism is atheistic, and Nazism embraced a form of neo-paganism, not Christian at all. See, that's another thing I'd read somewhere, that uh, people thought Hitler was actually a Christian. No, he despised Christianity. He thought it was too weak and too mild and didn't like the turn-the-other-cheek idea.
Yeah. Um, it says even a casual review of conflicts around the globe debunks the idea that strife is less energetic when combatants share the same religions when they do not. And it says even these uh, so-called religious wars, they often have a secular purpose below the rhetoric. So it says if ideas matter, this is the very end of the chapter, then a religion that says blessed are the peacemakers has more likelihood of restraining human aggression than one that demands a parade of captives be dragged up the steps of a temple for sacrifice. Of course, that reference there is blessed are the peacemakers. That If you look at the words of Jesus, it is peaceful. Yeah, have people abused the words of Jesus? Have they twisted it and taken it out of context and done terrible things in the name of Christianity? You bet. But it's unfair, I think, to judge uh, a religion by its heretics. Uh, they're not following what Jesus said. The New Testament, it's dead set against killing. And people that really read it and understand it, they take that message to heart. Uh, they, they've tried. Now, have they had peace on earth? No. But then Jesus didn't promise that anyway. Uh, he knew how wicked the human heart was. All right, well, that's the book, Christianity on Trial. It, it has all sorts of interesting chapters on things that you thought you knew or have been told to you. Christianity and slavery, Christianity, its relationship with science, Christianity and the Third Reich. Remember, I told you Hitler was not uh, taking on Christian ideas. Christianity and charity, Christianity and the environment, Christianity and American democracy. And in all cases, Christianity comes out far better than the way media often portrays it. All right, well, thanks for your attention, and uh, we'll do another podcast soon.